What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans 3.23, please. Romans 3.23. Some of you that are older saints that have been in Christ, this is going to be familiar uh, to you. Uh, those of you who are... Um, maybe new to the faith, there's this thing called the Romans Road, and I'm just going to take you through the Romans Road real quick because the simplicity of the gospel is just a beautiful thing. And so Romans 3.23, and and by the way, just for, um, didn't I already say the baptism was canceled? Yeah, Colleen, you're, you're late on, she's texting me. I already told everybody that. Give me an announcement that I didn't do. I'm kidding with you, baby. I love you, honey. So Romans 3.23, and right, right next to in that paragraph, if you're taking note, I want you to put Romans 6.23. Why? Because you only need to rem- memorize one verse to lead someone to Christ. It's Romans 3.23. just got to find that thing. You got your Bible, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, what does that mean? That means that every single one of us in this room, we've sinned. We've fallen short of God's glory. God's glory, yeah, his perfection. He is holy, we're not holy. We sin. Now, a lot of us, you sinner, you know, we have that kind of you sinner thing. Listen, all sin, all sin means is that we miss the mark. If I'm shooting a, a bow and arrow, I would have to hit bullseye every single time, right? And so all of us, we've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And because of that, there are certain wages. So now I want you to go to Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. There's wages that I deserve. Because I've sinned against a holy God, I am deserving of punishment. I'm deserving of wrath. I'm deserving of death. And this is what Romans 6.23 says. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Wages, yeah, that's what you're owed. Because of your sin, because of my sin, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God... Hallelujah, it's free. You can't earn it. You can't, you can't buy it. This is the Catholic Church got in trouble, right? Because they were, you could pay indulgences to earn your salvation. You could pay money. I don't think they do that anymore, which is good. It's the free gift of God. It's eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, right above Romans 6.23, I want you to put Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8. Now, let's go to Romans 5.8. So this free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Romans 5.8 says this, but God shows his love. Another translation says God demonstrates his love. Or his love is proven... That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While I did not even want God in my life, Christ looked at that, looked at that rebellion in my heart, and he embraced the cross because he loves me. He loves me. He 
wanted to take away my sin. He wanted to stand in the place of the wrath and the rebellion that I deserve. So he embraced the cross. He embraced the penalty of sin and death on the cross so that I get to go free. Why? Because his love is demonstrated on the cross. It's demonstrated. It's already proven. It's really good news. I want you to put by Romans 5, 8, Romans 10, 9, please. Romans 10, 9. And so again, if you're walking someone through this, it's very simple. And this technique, by the way, is, is developed by a guy named Bill Fay. His teaching is called Sharing Jesus Without Fear, where all you do is you open your Bible you let them read Romans 3.23. You ask them, what does that mean to you? You don't have to tell them anything. You don't have to preach. You have them answer because if the Holy Spirit is working, they're going to respond and say, hey, Romans 3.23, I've sinned against God. Okay, thanks. Let's go to Romans 6.23. Okay, well, what does that mean to you? Okay, yeah, you deserve death. Yeah, yeah, salvation is free. Okay, let's go to Romans 5.8. Do you understand the cross? Do you understand why the cross? What does that mean to you? And then, now, what do you do? Romans 10. Nine. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, say, Jesus is Lord. What does that mean to confess? I'm saying something that I really believe. He is Lord. He is Lord over my life. I want him to be Lord over my life, meaning I don't want to be in charge anymore. He gets to be in charge. You be in charge, God. I'm done being Lord. My crown is broken anyway. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. So, Christianity, the simplicity, you acknowledge that I have sinned against God. But God saw that and he loved me so much that he sent his one and only son to die for me, to forgive my sins, to save me from what I deserve. And because of that, I put my faith in the finished work of the cross the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I confess that with my mouth to everybody that I know, and I believe it in my heart. And because of that, guess what? I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm born again. The Holy Spirit comes inside of me, and I walk. And so salvation, it's a simple thing. It's not complex. It's not hard to understand. It's beautiful. Here's the problem, though. We've preached a gospel that has kind of ended up as this. You believe these things, you get your sins forgiven, and you get to go to heaven when you die. Now, is that true? Yeah, it's true. And that's really, really good news. But a lot of times the gospel is proclaimed apart from discipleship. Josh McDowell says he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. James says that 
faith without works is dead. And so a lot of people believe that Christianity is just believing these certain facts about God. James warns of that because it says, you say you believe there's one God. Even demons believe and they tremble. Many Christians haven't ever trembled before Jesus. Meaning, you're getting out-worshipped by demons. Demons have a greater reverence for Jesus than many Christians. Now, they don't worship and honor him by following him, but they recognize and they bow down. They bow down. They tremble. Dallas Willard talks about this great analogy. He calls Christians vampire Christians, where they suck the blood of Jesus, but they don't want anything to do with his life. And we hear those people sometimes. Oh, I'm covered by the blood. I'm covered by the blood. I'm like it's some type of blanket you just wear and just do whatever you want to do. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 9. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. It's not works, lest anyone should boast. So we do not preach a a works-based salvation, but we can tell we believe by the way that we live our life. And we've kind of gotten off the vision of the early church. So we're in Acts chapter 9. Verse 1, it says, Paul still breathing threats and murders, murder against the disciples. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. I want you to put disciple there. I want you to put 227 255. Why, why do I say that? Here's why. 227 times in the New Testament, the word disciples with an S is used. 28 times in the New Testament, the word disciple without the S is used. Why is the S and without the S important? Because, church, listen, this is why we need to stick together as the family of God. Disciples aren't alone. They're always with disciples. Jesus was with his disciples. 227 times disciples. 255 times disciple and disciples. This is the preferred term, by the way. Not Christian. Do you know how many times Christian and Christians is used in the Bible? Three times. Three times. Christian, Christians, three times. And here we are, we see this word, disciple. So are you a Christian? Are you a disciple? What was the mindset? What did Jesus do for three years? What did he make? Disciples. 
And what is a disciple? Deny self, embrace the cross, and follow Jesus. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever, and the call goes out. So Christianity was never just a set of beliefs that you have a mental assent to. Christianity, it was expected that it would be a way of life. Way of life? Yeah, let's keep reading. Paul, still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, I want you to highlight that, belonging to the way, Belonging to the way, Christianity wasn't called Christianity at first. It was called the way. Say the way. The way. That is a paradigm shift. That is a vision shifter. And let me submit to you that most Christians... When they think they're Christians, they don't realize that it is a way of life. It is a way of life. So the vision of our church, right? The vision of what a disciple is. Kyle, can you put up the vision for me, please? The vision definition. It says, our vision is to glorify God. And this is our church's vision This is also how I define what a disciple is, by the way, because we want to make disciples, and we use that term, but we don't know what that means. How do we define disciple? And it is a person that glorifies God by rearranging our lives around the person and the practices of Jesus. So my whole life now is rearranged around the person and the practices of Jesus. It is a way of life, not just a set of beliefs. Because I believe these set of beliefs, I live my life a certain way. Let me just say this. You may think you believe these set of beliefs, but if you don't live your life a certain way, I'm questioning if you believe what you believe. Well, Chris, you're teetering on the line of workspace salvation. It's very dangerous. I know. But I got, uh, actually, my timer's not even on. So you might want to get that on. People need saves from me and also from. I want you to turn to Acts 11.26. This is one of the three instances that the word Christian is used. I want to just submit to you, hey, are you a Christian? No, bro, I'm a disciple of Jesus. That may be better for you because the term Christian in our society, (laughs) I'm a disciple of Jesus, man. 
And what's a disciple? It's a person that rearranges their life around the person and practices of Jesus in order to become like him in every way so that I live in the reality of the kingdom of God. I seek the kingdom first. The kingdom is here because he's the king and he lives his life through me. That's what a disciple of it. I I am done following Chris Tress. That guy died. In fact, I want to get baptized again because I want to stay under that water. I don't want to come back up and it's Christ in Christ alone. I want to say with the apostle Paul, for me to live is what? Christ. And to die is gain. It's such gain in my life if I could just die. <sighs> and in Antioch, you see this in 1126, the disciples were first called what? Christians. So Christianity, before it became Christianity, in Acts chapter 9, they were known as those on the what? Way. And you can read uh, in Acts chapter 19, it was still called the way, by the way. Acts 22 or 24, when when Paul's with, with Felix and he's talking to him, it was called the way. This is a way of life, guys. It's a way of life. Christianity is a way of life. John Stott tells a, story about a Hindu professor in India who once identified, one of it, once identified one of his students as a Christian and said to him, if you Christians lived like Jesus Christ, India would be at your feet tomorrow. An Islamic leader, I can't say his name, it's just too hard, he said this, If all Christians were Christians, that is, Christ-like, there would be no more Islam today. The biggest problem with Christianity is the Christians who profess a faith but live like they don't believe what they believe in. And that vision, that vision, that vision... Dallas Willard, this is the second time I'm, I'm, I'm with him today. Rick, you, Rick Merrill, you should be proud of me. He coined an acronym called VIM. VIM. And if you're taking note, which disciples do, disciples, they memorized everything their rabbi would say. That's what discipleship was in the early. They would memorize everything that their discipler would say. They would live with their rabbi for like 15, 16 years, memorizing and also following their entire life. Now, I'm not saying you need to memorize this sermon today. But I understand we've, we've moved so far away from what the original meaning of that word was. So VIM, VIM, it stands for vision. Vision, the I stands for intention. And the M stands for means, means, means. The vision, the vision, right? Jesus is our vision. 
We love Jesus, we enjoy Jesus, we want to bring glory to Jesus, and that is our vision as Christians. And listen, without that vision, people perish. Without the vision or understanding that Christianity is a way of life, then I might just end up praying this prayer and living my life how I want to live it without thinking, should my life change at all? If it now belongs to Jesus, if he is my Lord. We're in this series of abiding is the with God life. And if you do not have the foundation of the last two sermons, you're never going to abide in Christ. Chris, that's a heavy statement. If you're not motivated by the love of God, convinced of his love, and convinced of the fact that he wants to do life with you, your vision's off. And when you look at Jesus and his followers, he said in John, hey, come and see, and he turned water into wine. He was getting to know them, and they were getting to know him. And then he calls out, hey, follow me, follow me. And so they dropped their nets, they followed him. And then he prayed all night in in, in Luke chapter 6, and he called the 12 to himself, which was a deeper level of intimacy. They had to have followed him, but he wanted them to come be with me, come be with me. And then you get to the final stage in the book of John, where he said, in John 15, the night before he's about to be crucified, abide in me and I in you. And there was a level of progression. Listen, Christian, the series is about God bring us to the place where we never lose our consciousness of you, where we are abiding in you always. So that when I go to work tomorrow, I put out my paper and I said, God, what are, what are the priorities that you want for me today? Who do you want me to call first? Those in the secular world, listen, I guarantee you, you will get a raise. You'll get a promote. You may, you may get fired too, but like, like <laughs> things will begin to drastically change if you begin to invite God into Everything that you do. This lifestyle of abiding, it is Emmanuel, God with us. It's the with God life. And listen, there's blocks when it comes to that. And we're going to hit some of those today. I want you to turn to 1 John 2. The biggest block is we don't believe we can be like Jesus. That's what I think the biggest block is. We have this philosophy, this, this philosophy, well, that was Jesus. Well, well, that was Jesus. He's God. I'm not God. That's Jesus. And so there's this philosophy that we have where we don't believe we can be like Jesus or do the things that Jesus did. If you believe you can't, you won't, right? And so this is why vision, 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 intention, and means. Vision, vision. We've got to get our vision right. So put your seatbelt on, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. It says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Highlight that, please. 
an advocate. Somebody speaking on your behalf. If you sin, the cross speaks. Christ is your advocate. An advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation. Oh, that's a big word. Basically, he took your sins. He took your sins on the cross. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know we've come to know him, if what? If we keep his commandments. There we go. That definition, we've rearranged our life around the person and the practices of Jesus in order to become like him. If we follow Jesus, we have to keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Boy, that's like a, that's like sober. It's like a, like a coming out of a bar at 5 a.m. and the sun is shining in your face. It's like God's flashlight. Wake up. Say that from experience. Although that was a long time. Actually, I never did that. It's forgiven. <laughs> or, or is it? Anyway. So, boy, that's, that's heavy right there. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. See, I obey him because I love him. I desire to keep his word because I love him. Like, if his word, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. I see that command. I'm not going to do that. That's a very dangerous place to be. And God's a God of grace that says, will you please acknowledge you don't want to do that and stop playing church with me? God, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. I actually like this. I don't want to stop this. In fact, I would say I like this more than I love you. See, you're getting close to someone that has their prayers answered. Don't fake it till you make it. The Pharisee came and he says, God, I thank you. I'm not like them. I'm not like them. I'm not like, right? The other guy came in. Oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that guy, that guy walked away justified. Why? Because he was real about his condition. If you do not love God's commands, tell him that and ask him to change you. And he's the God of grace that will come in. And, and so for me, what, people say, hey, Chris, how did, how did you overcome pornography? It started with, God, I love this more than I love you. I, 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 don't, I don't sing songs to God saying how much I love him when my lifestyle he desires truth in the immoral parts. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected. This we may know that we are in him 
And I want you to highlight verse 6 because we're building doctrine here. Your false belief, your false ideology that you're not called to be like Jesus in the world has to die today. This is why we take every thought captive and we make it obey Christ. We, we use weapons that are not carnal, but they're mighty in God and pulling down stronghold. A stronghold that many Christians in here believe is, I can't be like Jesus. He was God. I can't do it. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You can, and guess what? You will. Because he's going to do it through you. Great is his faithfulness. Whoever says he abides in him, verse 6, ought to walk in the same way. Say same way. Same way. In which he walked. Just begin to thank God. God, I thank you that I'm going to bless my enemies. I thank you, God, that I'm going to wash the feet of all my betrayers. I thank you, God that I'm going to be able to look past people's issues and love them just like you did for me. I thank you, God, that I'm going to lay hands on people. And if you're healing that day, somebody's going to get healed. Say this, I'm going to walk the same way Jesus walked. It's pretty straightforward, right? 1 John 2.6. Let's go to 1 Peter 2.21, please. Keep in mind, apart from Christ, you can do nothing. But with God, all things are what? Possible. We've got these verses all over our house that we really don't believe. To know and not to do is not to know. 1 Peter 2.21. It says, for this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. Highlight that. You've been given an example in Christ that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Remember on the cross? If your God come down, oh, you saved others, you can't save yourself. He didn't respond. He just simply said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He didn't go back and forth. Some, some of us, listen, we, we've forsaken the verse that says, the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach. Christians don't argue. Christians are not contentious. Christians are not opinionated and dogmatic. Well, Chris, you sound opinionated and dogmatic. I know. But I'm just reading the Bible here. I want to be dogmatic about the things God's dogmatic about. But if I'm having to get my way... I've moved off the way of Christ. I want to be at the place where it's not about me, considering others better than myself, because that's the way of Christ. In humility, considering others more important than me. This is our example. 
He didn't revile and return. Verse 23, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to God who judges justly. Listen, if you're being treated unfair, are you saying, these are my rights, this is what I deserve, this has to happen, or are you saying, okay, God, I just entrust that to you, the righteous judge? Whew. Again, what's it say? This is our example that you might follow in his steps. Well, Chris, it's too hard. I know it's too hard. That's why you can't do it. But Christ is going to do it through you. And that's Christianity because it's a way of life. It's him having his way in you. It's him living his life through you. Philippians 1.20. 20-something, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain. Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you. He's the one working in you for his good pleasure. He wants to live his life through you. You and I, we just have to get out of the way. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and, and Chris no longer lives, but it's Christ that lives in me and the life that I live, I live by faith in the one who gave himself up for me. Colossians 3.3, for you died when Christ died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Uh, uh, 1 John 2.6, anyone claims to be in Christ, they must walk as Christ walked. How do we do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit working through a wretched man. This is Christianity. By the way, this is Christianity 101. You can't do life apart from God. That's why the first beatitude, blessed is the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit, yeah, those that recognize they need God, those that recognize they can't do life apart from God, theirs is the kingdom. They begin to experience the kingdom when they walk with a humility and a brokenness. They understand their depravity, that they can't do nothing, they bring nothing to the table, and it's Christ and Christ alone that has to work through them. So from 1 Peter, we can say, I'm going to follow in the steps of Jesus. Say that. I'm going to follow his way of life because he's my example. Say that. Mm. Let's go to Romans 8, 29, please. Chris, why do you go to so many places? I think you've made your point. A, I don't, I don't really care what you think. <laughs> what, we're, what I'm trying to do is not to be redundant, but to give you the whole counsel of Scripture so you begin to build a life built on biblical doctrine so you can get your mind right. I'm trying to break a foundation that most Christians believe. I can't do that. That was Jesus. That's not me. And we want to we, we wanna crush it. Again, I, I've quoted this. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God and pulling down strongholds. 
We take every thought captive and we make it obey Christ. But then that last part, it says, punishing, crushing, destroying every thought that doesn't line up with God's word. We want to be violent about the lies. Who's the father of lies? Satan. And there's lies that we believe that stop us from living in the way. From living in the truth. From experiencing the life. And so we violently destroy. Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You might want to highlight that. You are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So when they see you, they see Christ. That's your destiny. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Listen, if you're saved, it was predestined. If you're saved, you were called. If you're saved, you were justified. If you're saved, you're going to be glorified. He does it all. You can't lose your salvation, according to this verse. Again, false doctrines have to die. If he's the one doing it, you're just along for the ride, Christian. It's God's plan that you're conformed to the image of Jesus. You are going to look just like Jesus. When people see you, they're going to see Jesus. This is your destiny. It's already predestined. I want you to turn to Luke 640. Now we're going to go to Jesus here. Luke 640. Jesus says this, he says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he's fully trained will be like his teacher. I want you to highlight fully trained, fully trained like his teacher. Why? Because most Christians are not training. Hebrews 12 talks about that, that we're training, discipline, training in righteousness, training in righteousness. Yeah, Christianity, in order to, to walk in the ways of God, we have to train for it. And if I train by being discipled, by being in community, by dealing with my stuff, I'll become like Jesus. This was Jesus' expectation. And so Christian, Christian disciple, are you in the process of being fully trained? Fully trained? Fully trained so that you live like Jesus. I want you to go to John 20, 21. What an amazing verse. Just as Jesus was in the world, he expects you to be in the world. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. 
Jesus is expecting us to live like him in the world. Understand, disciple, that you are sent just like he was. Again, I would dare to say most of us really don't believe that, right? Because you live out of your beliefs. This isn't something that I'm making up. This is something that Jesus is saying through his holy word. Kyle, if you could put up the, the different verses, um, affirmations, if you will. I'm going to walk the same way Jesus walked. 1 John 2.6 I'm going to follow the steps of Jesus, following his way of life as my example. 1 Peter 2.21 It's God's plan that I'm conformed to the image of Jesus. Therefore, I'm going to look like Jesus, just like Jesus. When you see me, you're going to see Jesus. This is my destiny according to Romans 8.29 I'm in the process right now of being fully trained so that I live just like my teacher, just like Jesus. In John 20.21 Jesus expects me to live like him in the world, understanding that I'm sent just like he was. Do we really believe that? Is everybody here really believe those things are true? Or are you like me? Well, that was Jesus and he was God. Jesus is our vision. And if I have a vision that I believe that these are going to be the reality in my life, that's probably going to change how I do what I do, right? It's going to put me on a path called the way, which is Christianity, a way of life. It's going to cause me to rethink how I'm doing what I'm doing. And without learning how to abide in Christ, that is not possible. Because we can't do that apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. So that's my vision right there. That's a vision. That's the vision that God has for me. This isn't something I'm making up about me. That's the vision that's been imparted to us by God for every child of God to look like Jesus. You touch me, you touch Jesus. You steal from me, you steal from Jesus. The intention in Vim. Is it really my intention to train, to rearrange my entire life around the person and practices of Jesus in order to become like him? Is, am I moving like that, motivated by love? And a lot of times we're not because of beliefs, because of trauma, because of bad doctrine, because of sometimes parenting, because sometimes the enemy. And there's all these different things that kind of block us. And right now we're going to share a video.
of people who have said yes to moving with intention. I'm not going to blame anymore. I'm not going to make excuses anymore. I'm going to lay hold of these things. But in order for that to happen, I need healed on the inside. I've been going to bow down for a little bit over five years now. I started going to unmasked ministry or inner healing because I was realizing that even though I was trying to like declare truths over myself in the Bible, um, I was just really angry all the time and I felt like I physically was unable to feel joyful. I realized there was some stuff coming up with my mom. I just felt like there were a lot of judgments I had toward her or I felt like they were bitter root expectations. I was just in bed, sleep while well, trying to sleep, rolling around for a few hours, and I'm just like, I can't sleep. And I started to feel super angry, like really upset. So I just get out my journal and I just started writing. I wrote pages and pages filled with just all these resentments I had toward my mom, just anger, judgments I had against her. And I'm just crying at the end of it. Like it was really hard, but it was really cool because I didn't realize like I had so much stuff toward my mom. Like it was years of stuff I had held against her. Um, so it was beautiful in the sense that God answered my prayer. That was him showing me why I was so upset. And also when he was there in that room with me, like while I was going through that, he wasn't at all like, don't let this come up. Like you have to forgive your mom like so much. I feel like so often as Christians, we think that, but it's like, no, God was there with me and he was showing me like, yeah, there is hatred in your heart. Yeah, there is like this unforgiveness, but I'm here with you and we're gonna work through this together. Like I want to heal you and help you to forgive her. Like most of my life, I saw forgiveness as like, oh, you're hurting me or you hurt me. Like, okay, I forgive you. Like, let's just kind of dismiss it and move on. I wouldn't really acknowledge like my emotion or the fact that something may have been done wrong. That day in inner healing, I feel like I learned for the first time in my Christian walk how to forgive from the heart. God showed me how I had held on to so much unforgiveness toward my mom for years. And he was willing to forgive me for having done that. And I was able to actually forgive myself that I had held that against my mom and then in turn forgive my mom for those things. My name is Antoine Harris. When I heard about them giving in the healing sessions, I didn't have a bad thought about it or anything. I just didn't feel that I needed it. It may have took me about maybe four years to actually get into the room. Some things broke, out, broke off immediately. Some things I had to I had to, you know, work, work on. The last session, I believe it was this last session, I got into a conversation about an old girlfriend. We moved in together and she already had two kids, two young kids, like three and like basically a newborn. And she pointed out to me immediately that she didn't want kids. You know, that kind of went over my head, but I agree, you know, you know we went into a relationship we were together for a while, maybe three years, right? And then that third year, she got pregnant. I remember everything being kind of, you know, suspicious. She never wanted me to come to the doctor visits. It's probably about 3 a.m. And she was complaining about her stomach hurting. So I immediately, you know, tried to jump up, get ready to uh, rush her to the hospital. 
And before I can pull the covers off, she was already, you know, um, no, you don't have to come. And I just remember staring at her with this, this feeling of just, ugh, I know what's going on. I know that my, my child is dead. The feelings towards her were like really vile, you know. And I remember watching her walk out and I stood up, I sat up for the rest of the night in my heart. I held that against her and that she aborted the child some way, somehow. And after that, we broke up and I never spoke to her. I used to walk right by her and never speak. <laughs> that session, they pointed out my demeanor and my position, how I, you know, sat up, my face, my facial expressions uh, when they brought up the child. Turns out that I never dealt with losing a child. When we dealt with it in, 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 in that session, for that reason, I understood how deep inner healing can go. And when I released that, I could feel like the grief. I can feel the sadness leave. So for anyone out there that ever looked at inner healing and thought about it being just some kind of a counseling or maybe looked at it and thought, I don't want the church in my business, well, guess what? Your business is God's business. Mm. Your heart desire is God's business. And what better way to guard your heart to, than to go get it healed? Whoever the, the sun sets free is free indeed. I am Daniela Darling, and I went to Inner Healing probably five and a half, six years ago now, so right when I started at Bow Down. So I would say the place that I was at before I went to Inner Healing was probably having the word, but not really understanding what to do with it. I think a lot of people understand God's word and want to obey God's word, but they don't exactly know what it means and how to practically apply it to having freedom in their life. How I was introduced to inner healing was just from coming to bow down and hearing, um, meeting with Katie and hearing about the freedom that other people had. So it wasn't like I went to a couple inner healing sessions and I cried the whole time and then I left a new person. That's not necessarily what happened. I um, just talked a lot through things that had gone on in my family or my childhood and kind of put puzzle pieces together. Because I've walked through some of these things, um, and I'm able to put the pieces together, like I said before, with um, the knowledge of Scripture and then what's going on inside of my heart. It has helped me to lead people so much better than I could ever have done without finding healing. Um, firstly, because I'm not locked up in my own personal bondage. I, I'm not binding myself up with unforgiveness or anything like that. So I have clear eyes to see what the Holy Spirit wants me to see. Um, and because of that, I can now see that in other people. My name's Clay Marks. About two years ago, um, things were really getting dark for me. Um, a lot of uh, anger and, and uh, resentment and stuff was building up because I was in a place where just I didn't feel like the Lord was there. And uh, I was believing the lies. I could hear the enemy and he was tormenting me with it. So I signed up for inner healing. And in the process, and this was the beauty of it, is the Lord actually started the work because I got to a place where I was desperate, and that was a very good thing. And I got into the Psalms and the silence and solitude, and this is so important, it's just turning everything off and really chewing on God's Word. 
And I started to sense healing in the Word, and I'd never sensed that before in the Scriptures. Uh, one of my last sessions was I had quite a bit of, of homework, and we sat there, and I went over everything that they had given me, and it was like, I realized at this point, I was at a place where I had some freedom, and I realized that I was loved. And that was a game changer to really know that when whatever hits the fan in your life that is not pretty and ugly, that you can trust Him. The Word says that. That was a huge step in facilitating it with the inner healing. And, and the beauty of this is I'm just touching the tip of the iceberg. And the freedom I have now is, is amazing. So my, my thing to people is if you have something that's been plaguing you for years, it's just whatever it is that just you can't seem to shake, it's just a little, little fox nipping at your tail that you can't seem to get over it, I would certainly ask that, you know, think about coming to Inner Healing and the Lord might do a great thing through you and help you with this. It's a piece of the puzzle of our growth. Uh, the process is slow, but it's thorough and God is in the process and we are to enjoy the process and see His face and His beauty in that. Amen. All right, worship team, if you could come forward. So when I planted uh, Bow Down Church years ago, uh, and Kyle, if you could uh, put the, the statements, the affirmations, if you will, the biblical affirmations up. When I planted Bow Down Church, I didn't believe in inner healing. I thought it was some hokey, weird kind of thing. But then I met somebody that began to bring me through some stuff. And then I started to relook at the Bible. And I see inner healing all in it. I see inner healing being done by Jesus with the guy cut through the roof and your sins are forgiven. He did the inner work before he did the outer work. We see Peter deny Christ three times and then we see Jesus restore Peter on the beach and three times. What does he ask him? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It's kind of like there's a connection there. And there's wounds in all of us. Scripture warns. It warns us in Ephesians 4.27. Do not let the sun go down on your anger because you give the devil a place. That book of the Bible was written to the saints in Ephesus. And many Christians, many people in this room are walking with unforgiveness and resentment towards a parent, maybe towards a past church. Who, who knows? And all of a sudden, the devil has a place in your life because you're disobeying God. Hebrews, it talks about a bitter root judgment that can spring up and defile many. Jesus was so concerned about our bitter root judgments, he said, hey, you hypocrite, Get the log out of your eye so that you can see clearly. See, Peter, he was confronted by the church in Galatians because uh, Paul says, you are being a hypocrite, Peter. You're, you're, you're living one way, you're saying something else, and you're living this double life. And, it, and, he, and Peter, the apostle Peter, right, he needed the body of Christ to come alongside of him and say, hey, hey you're being a hypocrite here, calling him to repentance. Some of you will not get healed 
because you can't get all of your healing alone in a room with Jesus. He set up the body of Christ so that we confess our sins one to another that you may be what? This is the body. We need each other. That's what inner healing is. We come into a place saying, okay, God, I see the vision here. I want to move with intention, but there's some blocks that are stopping me. I may have false beliefs. I may have unforgiveness. I, I may have anger and resentment. I may have dad wounds, mom wounds. Maybe I'm walking in an orphan spirit, and I know the verse that it says in John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans, but I live like I'm an orphan. Why? Why, God? And when I humble myself, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When I humble myself before my brothers and sisters in Christ and say, will you pray for me? Will you help me? Will you ask God to heal me? I want to confess it all. Oh, man, God comes. But when you keep it to yourself because of pride, I don't want anybody knowing my business. We need each other. This is the church, and this is the church. This is the body of Christ, and this is a safe place. The safe place was on the cross for Jesus because he was in his Father's will. Nothing safe. Open yourself up wide like Christ. He was naked on the cross, and he hung there. Father, I thank you for your message and your verses today. Lord, we just ask you to forgive us if we just had a wrong view of things. Jesus, become our vision. Jesus, help us to believe. We, admit, we say with the guy, we believe, but help our unbelief. Lord, I just pray for this congregation that there, if there's any blocks that's stopping them from moving with intention, would you, by the means of the Holy Spirit, begin to pour, pour yourself out, God, so that fresh water would just flow, that rivers would gush, so their cups would be filled to a place that they overflow with you, Jesus. We ask, God, that you would just do a mighty work in our lives. And as the inner healing training is coming up, God, uh, we want to align ourselves with Luke 640, saying that that one who is fully trained, help us, God, to not only train ourselves, but train so that we can help others experience the freedom that comes from walking in Christ. Be glorified today, we pray. Help us to sing towards you, God. Like we really, really mean what we're about to sing. Help us now as we kiss towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.